Welcome to the show. Coming to you today from London and from New York, where I'm very pleased to welcome Victor Tang. Uh, Victor is the CTO of NiftyCo, which is aiming to democratize NFTs on the BSV blockchain. Welcome to the show, Victor. Hi, thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. You're listening to CoinGeek Conversations with Charles Miller. So this sounds very exciting. Democratizing NFTs. What what do you mean by that? Well, um, the, by democratizing, we're basically creating a platform that makes uh, it possible for anyone, not just uh, crypto enthusiasts, uh, to create and transact NFTs on on the blockchain. Um, we're basically um, marketing NFTs on the exchange in U.S. currency or in, in fiat, as they say, uh, as opposed to being in uh, Bitcoin itself. So it takes away the hurdles of a, you know, your grandmother, for instance, being able or having to learn how to create a wallet, how to open an account on an exchange, how to convert U.S. dollars into BSV, which involves actually being able to convert it from uh, U.S. dollars to something more uh, uh, more uh, well-used, such as uh, Bitcoin or e Ethereum, into BSV, then transferring that BSV to another account. In our case, grandmother only needs to know how to create a user account how to upload documents or image files, and how to pay for that with a credit card or a bank account. So the result is that hopefully we will be able to have hundreds of thousands of users on the exchange creating and selling and trading uh, NFTs as opposed to you know, thousands of crypto enthusiasts. Well, let's talk about a specific example because I know that you've got uh, an auction coming up relating to quite a, an old piece of art from a museum. Could you correct talk, talk us um, through that? Because so, that's a great example, I think, of maybe, maybe, maybe more than my grandmother would be interested in buying. <laughs> exactly. Our uh, initial clientele and our, our focus really is high value art. Um, so in this case, we had a, a major museum approach us about creating an NFT for a um, 17th century Dutch masterpiece. And uh, he wanted, he had several concerns about how to mint that. Uh, one, he wanted, because he was a, a, a museum, he wanted to have a good carbon footprint story. So he wanted us to mint on an exchange that was eco-friendly. Uh, in this case, uh, BSV was a great uh, choice. Then uh, it was uh, had a much cleaner footprint and it was low cost and very high performance. Uh, secondly, he wanted to have multiple documents, not just the initial or the scan of the image, but he wanted to include, you know, a certificate of authenticity. He wanted to include LIDAR or multispectral images. He wanted to include the sides and the back so that someone uh, looking at the NFT can know that, hey, he actually had the real uh, piece of work in his possession. And then finally, uh, he was concerned about the security aspects. Because I don't know if uh, many of your listeners know, but currently with a Ethereum or even a BSV NFT, once you mint it, that artwork is in the public domain. Uh, it is stored on, uh, on the blockchain if it's BSV because of its low cost, 
or it's stored on something called the interplanetary file system or IPFS. And once stored there, um, it's stored in an open, unencrypted format. So the, the best example that I can give is that um, that famous work uh, that was sold at Christie's by for $69 million by the artist known as Beeple. Uh, when that uh, art was minted, that 300 megabyte file was stored on IPFS. Uh, the NFT that was created then had what's called a token URL that pointed to that file. So the moment that it was auctioned, everybody knew the token ID of that NFT. With that token ID, they can look that token up on the Ethereum blockchain and from there find the token URL. At that point, this artwork is public. I can go take that URL and download it to my hard drive and in essence have a 300 or uh, sorry, a $69 million piece of art for free. And this led to considerable skepticism and ridicule even. Uh, uh, yes, around correct. the whole around the whole idea of NFTs, but you've got a solution to that, I believe. Correct. Well, for for us, the museums, I mean, they own all these you know thousands of pieces of, of art that are private, that uh, you know are rare, and they're not wanting to go and just mint this thing and then basically make it public domain. And so we created uh, NiftyCo, and uh, we created a platform that's called Mona, which is the marketplace for NFT art. And what we did uh, first was we created something we call the portfolio NFT. And this portfolio NFT consists of uh, multiple documents uh, instead of just the standard uh, single document that the current NFT support so that we can provide the authenticity and, uh, and uh, proof of ownership. And then we encrypted every document. Um, so that, you know, it's not public, that only the owner has the key. They have the uh, asymmetric private key. And then whoever he permissions to view the artwork, he grants the public key too. So anybody accessing the blockchain can certainly find the URL pointing to these documents, but they cannot uh, view it. They cannot access it in any way. So they really are buying something that is exclusive to them in, in the normal way. When you, when you buy something, you expect to be the person who owns it. Especially if you pay, you know, hundreds of thousands and up, you know, over millions of dollars for this piece of work. You want it to be able to show it in your hotel or in your private residence on a large frame TV and know that, you know, it's yours only. If you're working with a, a well-known public museum or something, presumably mm -hmm. there are already in existence photographs of this work of art that will be pretty much indistinguishable from, from the one that you are making into an NFT. Of course, there are photographs, uh, you know, that tourists may have taken, uh, when the uh, piece of work was, um, displayed. Uh, we also have, uh, thousands of art, uh, that are in storage, uh, facilities, uh, climate controlled, um, et cetera, that are not displayed. But ultimately, um, these are high resolution images that you, uh, are not going to get. These are LIDAR images that show some of the depth and, uh, and also the multispectral images as well. Um, and included in that is sort of the proof of it. So, right. And what, what is the market? Who is, who do you think will be buying your NFT? Will it be an art expert who is very interested in a high resolution, uh, examination of the work? Or is it going to be somebody who's buying it 
as a status symbol or as an investment or something like that? Mm, I'm thinking that it would be investors or, and benefactors of the museum, um, uh, people who are um, really looking to have these um, rare works of art for their, for their uh, display. Um, so I, I think if uh, you want an art um, historian or some or somebody to to inspect your piece of work, that's something you you would then, as an owner, permission him to do. Right, but if you were to display it, and I can see that there might be some value in that, you would also have to provide information with the display, saying this is not just a a nice photograph of this work of art because obviously it's mm -hmm. not the original. But, you know, you need to take an interest in the fact that this is one, a single NFT and there's only another one in existence or something. You'd have to give the background to what the people were looking at as well, I suppose. Correct. Yes, I think so. And um, uh, as part of the platform, uh, the owner basically creates um, playlists and registers devices for these um, images to this be displayed on and we can certainly have um, a description that could be added as it's being played um, as well there are all the, the background images the supporting documents that are part of the nft that uh, could be made available for viewing as well um, so for instance if you have a touch screen uh, tele television you could then be able to you know uh, choose to look at the the uh, authentication documents or the uh, the LIDAR image, etc. I've seen some great stuff like that in the uh, British Library, actually, where they have digitized ancient manuscripts and you can, mm -hmm. you can examine them in great detail. And it's very beautiful. And you'd obviously never be able to, uh, just as a normal member of the public, go in and have a flick through the, the manuscript Correct. itself. And w wouldn't it be interesting if these rare manuscripts can also be minted? And, and be made more available. Like for instance, the library could actually mint these and then display that uh, in the library for the public to then view, because you'd never be able to view the contents of a rare manuscript otherwise. Right, so let's just talk a little bit about the business side of this, because you as NiftyCo are simply providing a service to the people who own the content that is going to be turned into an NFT, is that right? Correct. We provide the service to turn uh, a piece of art into an NFT and then uh, by doing so, creating a business model around it whereby they can license uh, it, they can resell it, they can receive a revenue stream from it, etc. And in return, we're kind of like the art gallery. We collect a, a percentage of the, of the sales uh, or the revenue that's generated. And Will you go to the auction company, the auction house, and say, here's something we'd like you to auction? Or would that be the, the gallery would then just take it on and have that relationship? Either way. I mean, we would certainly be there to facilitate. We're currently uh, speaking with uh, a couple of major auction houses uh, already about that possibility of having uh, the BSV uh, portfolio NFTs being auctioned. Uh, particularly for this client. Let's widen it out to going back to what we were talking about before, the democratization of NFTs, mm -hmm. where anyone can create an NFT. So if I wanted to get involved and I think I'm a brilliant artist and do a little drawing on a piece of paper, what would I do? Uh, well, I mean, basically, it's, it's as simple as creating an account. 
um, and, and once created, uh, registering um, your credit card and payment information. We do the what's called the KYC and AML checks to make sure that you're you're um, uh, authenticated, that you're not some uh, money launderer or what have you. Uh, and then after that, you simply click a button that says, I'd like to mint this piece of art. You enter in a title, uh, that uh, your name as the artist, and then the files that you wish to upload. You could upload uh, just one image, or you can upload some supporting documentation that goes with that, some uh, certificate of authenticity that you've signed. Uh, you could even include a little audio file as your narration of this piece of art, what inspired you, et cetera. And they'd all be combined and bundled up with, within this one NFT, and uh, you can then proceed to sell it. Or you can hold on to it and just license it. Uh, so that you still retain ownership, but you're able to to uh, license it out to um, someone who wants to be able to use their image on a website or to print uh, a, a copy on a, a coffee table book, etc. But having uploaded my JPEG or whatever it is mm -hmm. to Nifty, what is it exactly that I get back that 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 is the NFT? Well, the, um, the NFT is uh, minted and created on the blockchain. And so you would have, uh, you would know that it's a token ID and that uh, that would be stored in your account so that when you log in, there's a dashboard that shows your collection uh, of art that you've created yourself, of art that you've, uh, you've purchased. Uh, and then from that, you can do various things with it, such as, you know, display it on your registered devices, list it for sale on our exchange, et cetera. And then if I sold it to somebody, mm -hmm. how would it get transferred from my account to their account? Uh, well, that uh, we create what's called a smart contract on BSV. And that smart contract has the transfer uh, function that uh, basically uh, completes the sale. Uh, Nifty Co. receives the payment from the, from the buyer. And once that payment's received, it completes the transaction and then uh, transfer the funds to the accounts that you have, uh, the bank accounts that you specified. And if the NFT is created by Nifty, will it live forever within a, a Nifty world, as it were, or, or is it, can we sort of extract it from the Nifty platform? Uh, well, um, you can, we have several options actually. Uh, it is not just solely within Nifty. It is, uh, on the BSV. So any, any platform that sells BSV, uh, uh, NFTs could, uh, support this, could, uh, take that NFT and, and list it for sale as well. But the encryption, uh, of the files, uh, that, uh, there is nobody else that provides that service. Um, so if, uh, if somebody wants to be able to view that that artwork, they still would come to uh, Nifty Co and register, even if they didn't uh, mint the artwork on Nifty Co or they didn't purchase it on Nifty Co. They would go back to Nifty Co to create a user account whereby they could then uh, view it with the appropriate keys. Is it up to me to make sure that I don't lose my keys? Uh, what what happens if I can't remember what my my keys are, or password or something? <laughs> um, what? Yeah. It is uh, stored in Nifty Co, but it is it is certainly protected. Um, we are creating uh, you know BSV wallets, and part of the the issue with BSV wallets is that there is a very lengthy uh, passphrase that defines the wallet, 
And if you lose that, um, then you lose access. Is that to your NFTs. 12 words? That's correct. Yeah. And so it's very critical that when you create a wallet on any account, whether mm. it is on ours or even on an Ethereum exchange, that you back up this wallet. Because I think regulations require that we not store that wallet uh, on our system. So it is exactly the same as is exactly the same as having a hand cash wallet or any other kind of that that's BSC correct. Yeah. yeah. Right, that's interesting. Well, so how yeah. do you where do you see this going? I, I mean, are you more optimistic about the high-end art gallery side of the business or the the everybody can do it end of it? Um, well, I think that what we're creating um, for the benefit of the high value art uh, has a trickle down effect. Um, it means that you know this this technology uh, can be accessed by uh, any artist uh, to to mint and retain ownership or retain control of their art and allow them uh, the business model of uh, selling or licensing uh, and creating uh, an income stream from the works that they've created. So uh, really, it's ultimately the goal is to democratize uh, artists. And, and access and sale of NFTs. I wanted to add one thing as well, just to a, a prior question. It's not simply that uh, these are NFTs that are within NiftyCo itself, but we're going to be including um, the functionality for us to eject uh, an NFT out of the BSV blockchain into another blockchain. Uh, for instance, if a buyer of a BSV NFT that we've created um, feels that I'd rather have it in Ethereum because I think maybe I, I have a higher value or whatever reason, um, he's able to then transfer that uh, uh, NFT out to another blockchain while maintaining um, the, the transaction history. So that uh, Ethereum NFT will point back to the, to the BSV NFT all the way to when it was created. So you know the full provenance of, of this piece of art. And we also ensure that the original NFT is burned so that it no longer exists. We don't have a duplicate that's existing out in the world. Right. That's interesting because I was just wondering, supposing, or just on a very practical basis, supposing I'm a cartoonist and I sell mm -hmm. cartoons to a newspaper, um, mm -hmm. instead of just um, emailing them over and hoping they're going to send me some money, which they would owe me, would there be a way that I could have a more controlled distribution using NFTs? Could I, for instance, have some sort of smart contract that says, yes, you can have access to this once the money has arrived? Or would there be a way of controlling them from stopping making copies or using it more than once or anything like that? Um, well, once somebody has access, I guess the, the issue is that the, um, it converts, uh, we decrypt it and it becomes a digital uh, asset. Yeah, once, once it's um, decrypted, then you've lost control, really, haven't you? That's correct. But you do have, a, you know, a contract that says that, well, you're authorized to use this uh, for this purpose or from this time for this time period. And outside of that, you're in violation of that contract. So, um, you know, that can be enforceable uh, by law. Yes, that, but that, that would be that would be the case, even if I just sent them a piece of paper and that that's correct. Um, we will uh, we have in our roadmap a copyright 
um, a monitoring and enforcement mechanism that that we uh, you know plan to uh, include in Mona, which will search the blockchain and search the web uh, for use of that uh, artwork, and then you can then decide uh, you know was this something that you had authorized or not. Um, so those technologies exist and and uh, would be helpful in. Uh, ensuring that uh, you know fraudulent um, or illegally obtained works are not out there. That would be really good. I mean, particularly if it automatically sent out a very angry lawyer's letter at the same time. Right. Correct. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And uh, this type of technology is already in use, so it it is there to help the artists uh, and uh, you know maintain control of their income stream. But going back to the cartoonists. I mean, he has the option to sell to the newspaper or he has the option to license to the newspaper for a specific period of time. And that allows him to then license it to others or to sell it to others in the future. So he's, he doesn't have just one option. Right. Well, it sounds like an amazing business. What, um, what is it? How many people are there in it and where are you based and how is it developing as a company? Well, we're based uh, in in Seattle, Washington, and in, uh, in uh, Toledo, Ohio. My partner is out in, in Toledo. And we have uh, just a handful of developers. Uh, and uh, basically, we're working feverishly to get this, uh, this initial auction uh, initiated. <laughs> Did you come to this because you already were interested in BSV and you thought, well, now here's an incredible thing we can do with BSV? Or was it because you were already interested in NFTs and were looking for a solution that involved encryption and so on that you've described? I was actually brought into this. Um, my, my background is uh, e-commerce. And uh, my partner, uh, he's the one that has um, uh, been in BSV for, for a long time, uh, particularly in the gaming this industry. This is Phil Runyon. Uh, this is Phil Runyon, yeah. And uh, he uh, basically... Um, had some contacts that uh, uh, reached out to him about creating NFTs. And so um, the technology issues were what brought him to me. Well, very good luck with it, Victor. And thank you so much for talking thank you so to much. me. Very, very interesting business. And I look forward to seeing how it develops. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think that we're very uh, interested in, in uh, having this new standard that actually protects the artist's work become entrenched. We're looking forward to a successful auction, which will really help put the uh, BSV market uh, or the BSV blockchain for NFTs uh, on the map. Um, I think BSV has a a, um, a great participation, uh, great uh, uh, liquidity, and has the market makers to make this actually very successful. Well, really good luck, and thank you so much for talking to me today. Bye now. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Thanks so much to Victor Tang, putting the fun into non-fungible tokens. And there'll be more fun next week when I talk to Taylor Searle from the eSports business built by gamers. It's already a powerful organization, and now they're planning to work with BSV to bring a whole new population of eSports fans to the world of wallets and micropayments. So if you can tear yourself away from what's going on in Miami for a minute, please join me next week for another CoinGeek Conversation. <laughs>